Hello, you're listening to the Lebanon Valley Express podcast. This podcast comes to you from Lebanon Valley College's Storytelling for Digital Media class in the Department of Design, Media, and Technology. Students in the class have assembled stories for you about barriers, breakthroughs, challenges, and changes. I'm Mary Pettis, their professor and host of the podcast. Welcome to the first episode of the Lebanon Valley Express podcast. In this episode, if only I hadn't done that, uncontrollable setbacks lead to reflection and growth for Emily, Jenna, Sam, and Laura. In this first story, Emily is tasked with finding her happiness again after breaking her hand. I'm pretty good at playing the trumpet. I've been playing since the fourth grade and will find any excuse to practice nowadays. However, I didn't really enjoy it until I broke my hand sophomore year of high school. When they made us choose which instrument we wanted to play in fourth grade, I originally wanted to play percussion so I could hit stuff and be cool. But my dad said, you have to play something with real notes first, meaning I had to play a pitched instrument. There are two things the audience should know about me before I continue. I am very competitive and I do not roll with the punches. My dad said, no percussion. Boo, I was really upset. I wanted to hit stuff and be cool. So I'm standing in line, absolutely fuming, as the worst sounds possible come from the band room. Eventually, we get closer and closer to the door, and I was starting to feel nervous. I didn't know what I actually wanted to play. Flute? Nah, my dad plays the flute. Clarinet? Hell no, they look stupid. Trumpet? might as well. I picked up the trumpet and pressed it to my lips, carefully following the instructions that my band director gave me. One of the worst sounds I ever heard blared from the horn. I stopped, feeling intimidated, but Mr. Krause nodded encouragingly, so I blew again. This time, the sound felt better. It was slightly clearer, and I could control it if I squeezed my lips together. This was it. I wanted to play the trumpet. My dad was really happy with my choice, and I was too, until I realized that I would actually have to practice. And practicing was pure misery. So eventually I'm in high school playing the trumpet in both the wind ensemble and the marching band. And I was actually starting to enjoy playing the trumpet. And so I eventually started to enjoy practicing the trumpet. So I was getting pretty good. Something was looming on the horizon, however, and I guess we were all excited. Homecoming, sophomore year after party, my friend's pool. He challenges me to a race. Boom. Competitive mindset kicks in. And then we're racing. I used to swim competitively, so I'm winning. But all of a sudden... Ooh, ouch, crack. I literally punched the wall. Ow. I... Why is it still hurting? Like, it swelled to the size of a baseball. Long story short, my hand was broken. My valve hand, I couldn't help my family move house, I couldn't write, and I couldn't play the trumpet. Therefore, all of my newfound happiness was thrown out the window. I spent my days lying on the floor, wallowing in my new room, not being able to unpack any boxes. I was so frustrated that I could not do anything, or help anyone, or even help myself. Eventually, I wrapped a stupid plastic bag. Every time I wrapped a stupid plastic bag over that stupid cast to take a stupid shower, I felt myself getting a little emptier. Listening to jazz was a small coping mechanism for me. I really liked Dixie Gillespie and Dixieland jazz. 
my high school's jazz band auditions were coming up, but I couldn't play the trumpet, which just made me more sad. But eventually my dad noticed that I could probably teach myself how to play with my other non-broken hand, although he didn't know if it would be enough to get me into jazz band. I took this and ran. I immediately started teaching myself how to play with my left hand, which was easier than I thought. But there was still a lot of progress to be had because I didn't practice for a couple weeks before that because of the broken hand. All of my free time was consumed by the jazz audition. I was entirely committed. I needed to be in that band. My well-being depended on it. While being able to play the trumpet with my left hand is pretty impressive, I didn't know if my skill level was high enough to land me a spot in the band. Soon the day of the audition arrived, and I'm standing in line, listening to the auditions before mine, and thinking, wow, they're really good. Which just made me more nervous. <laughs> I was super intimidated. Finally, I found myself sitting in a chair in front of Mr. Baldanzi, shaking. The beige walls felt like they were closing in as I tried to look as nonchalant as possible. I picked up my trumpet, pressed it to my lips, carefully scanning the music one last time, and blew. One of the best sounds I'd ever made came from the horn. So I kept playing, and as I played, I could feel the pride welling inside of me. At that moment, it didn't really matter if I had made it into the band. I was still playing the trumpet, which is something that I loved. When I finished playing, Mr. Baldanzi nodded his head curtly and said, Very good. As I turned to leave the room, I caught him smiling proudly out of the corner of my eye. I waltzed proudly out of school that day, excited to see if I made it into the band. And then later that week, the list of who made it got posted on the band room doors. A big crowd of people were looking for their name when I first showed up, and I eventually made my way to the front of the horde, searching for my name. First, I read Michael Barnett. Yeah, he was really good. I'm, I'm glad he made it. Ben Cochran. Okay, maybe I'm just lower on the list. Sophia Elliott. My breath caught in my chest as my mind raced. Did I really not make it after that great audition? And finally, Emily Whitewolf. I let out a huge sigh. This was the first time my mind had peace in months. Emily White Wolf is currently a sophomore digital communications and interaction design double major at Lebanon Valley College. She continues her love of music in both the Pride of the Valley Marching Band and the Valley Jazz Orchestra and has yet to break another bone. Knock on wood. In this next story, Jenna suffers what she considers a minor injury, but soon finds out how it can get in the way of much bigger things. She learns not to beat herself up over it and uses this experience to become a better athlete and person. It was my junior year of high school, the year most people start to heavily debate their college decision. If you would have told me my freshman year that my college search was going to go the way it did, I wouldn't have believed you. Being that it was fall, that meant it was also field hockey season, the season I look forward to and prepare for all year. However, this season didn't go the way I had hoped. We were still very early into the season, maybe the third or fourth game of the fall. It was a beautiful day for a field hockey game. The fall breeze made it the perfect temperature to play in. However, despite everything around me being perfect, things went downhill for me pretty quickly. It was the first quarter of the game, and a forward for Linkster Mennonite was dribbling the ball down the sideline, getting ready to cross it into the circle for one of her teammates. I was channeling her up the sideline, and when she went to cross the ball, our feet got tangled, and it sent me for a ride straight into the ground. Knowing that the way I fell looked funny, I remember laughing it off with my teammates and my coach and playing the rest of the game like nothing had happened. After the game, I noticed that my left pinky finger was very swollen and was already turning a pretty shade of purple. I didn't even remember what I did that could have caused this, and my coach and I laughed it off thinking I just jammed it. Ignoring it, however, was not the best thing for me to do. The next day, it was about twice the size, and now my hand was like a balloon as well. 
After going to the doctors and getting x-rays, they let me know that I had broken my finger. Specifically, I had broken off a piece of bone completely. And the more I thought about it, I realized when I fell, my own body weight broke my finger. This actually made the injury a little better to take in because that was easy to laugh at. I was devastated, though, that a tiny injury was going to keep me out of the game for so long. About two weeks later, I went into surgery to get two pins placed in my finger. These pins were temporary and were to put my bone back in place. However, it was still a four to six week recovery. Sitting on the sidelines watching the game you love is never easy. I tell myself every day that it was only going to make me better. I kept reminding myself that sometimes sitting on the sideline and watching is just as important as playing the game. You learn new lessons when you are forced to step away, and that I did. I remember analyzing the games during this time, and I was able to step back and see how we worked as a team. I could watch a play and then pick out what was done well or maybe what we could have done better next time to succeed. I became kind of an extension of my coaches during this time, which is just as rewarding as being on the field. After about a month and a half, which felt like forever, I was finally pin-free and cleared to play. However, I had missed my entire fall season, and now it was time for club. I played with the club Alley Cats in Palmyra, and this weekend we were playing at Spooky Nook in an indoor tournament. I was so excited to play after so long, and I have always loved playing indoor, so that added to the excitement. Of course, nerves were present since I hadn't played in two months at this point, and to add to that, there was a college coach coming to watch me. This was exciting because I had a worry in the back of my head about getting college coaches' interest after being injured for the entire season. It was the third game of the day, and this was the game that the coach was going to be at. I was on the pitch playing center mid when my coach called out to me to give me direction on a play. Trying to listen to her and also stay engaged in the play was followed by a terrible decision. I saw a player coming at me, and I threw down a reverse block tackle in an attempt to stop the play. What I forgot to do was bend my pinky, which was smashing into the hard floor. Time just about stopped for me in that moment because I knew exactly what I did. I went running off the court with my hand dripping blood. The emotions got the best of me in this moment, and I remember hysterically crying while the trainers wrapped it in ice and sent me off to the hospital for x-rays. After getting x-rays, I was told that I had broke it again, yet this time it was much worse. I completely snapped the bone off my hand, and it was pretty much hanging on by a thread. The doctors were shocked and really couldn't wrap their heads around the damage I did. Now it was mid-December, the holidays were approaching, and I wasn't able to get in for surgery until after the new year, an option that I and my doctor were not fond of. So I ended up getting it set back into place and in the cast for two months until the bone essentially grew back into place. After fully processing that I was out for another two months, I had a lot of thinking to do. I was beating myself up for this injury. It seemed so little and so minor, and it was frustrating that it was going to keep me out of the game for so long. This was something that took a while for me to deal with. I was embarrassed about repeating the same, what I thought was a stupid injury. Then I had to deal with the idea of college coaches not being interested in an injured prospect. I had been in contact with a few different coaches and got invited to clinics and ID camps for all of them. I was not allowed to attend any of them. I was sick of sending the same email to coaches explaining my situation. I felt like they were losing interest because of this. If they couldn't see me play, how would they know if they wanted me to be a part of their program? There's a stigma around injured players looking into colleges, and it's usually a red flag to coaches. However, after getting some interest from coaches, I started to gain confidence back. I started to look at my injury in a different way. Things can always be worse, and I have to be grateful that I am dealing with a minor injury. I think the most important lesson that I learned from this time in my athletic career was that it wasn't the end of the world. It was a slight bump in the road, and I took the time I needed to be upset about it and then picked myself up and figured out how to come out of it a better player. Even though all these thoughts were running through my head, I had to keep mental toughness. Things may have been bad at the time, but I had to remind myself that they were going to get better. Things always work out the way they are supposed to, and that is something I had to keep in mind. When looking at this time in my career, I believe it all worked out the way it was supposed to. The start of my senior year of high school, I had a couple options of schools where I could continue playing field hockey. In the spring of my senior year, I made that commitment and has been one of the best experiences. Jenna Engstadt is a digital communications major at LVC and plays on the field hockey team.
In this next story, Sam realizes that life has its own plans, and sometimes it's best to go with the flow instead of longing for the best case scenario. So the story starts in August of 2020. I was having a great day, having gone and done shopping for college as I was about to attend LVC to play baseball in roughly two weeks. I was planning on seeing my friends later that day, and I was about to play a baseball game. Everything was going great. Uh, little did I know this was going to be the, j- the day that would change my life forever. Uh, so during the during the game, I had a good game. It was roughly the fourth inning. I had just hit a curveball, which is a little bit of a uh, is a little bit ironic because there's always a saying that life is going to throw you curveballs, and you have to learn to adapt. And I had actually just hit a curveball, so it was kind of foreshadowing what was going to occur over the next nine months. Um, and my buddy Liam, who was at bat, hit a ball to the shortstop. And I'm running to second base, and I know I'm not going to make it. I try and cut, and the next thing I know, all I feel is immense pain, and I am on the ground. You know, in that moment, I felt my heart racing. My mind was racing. There was so much that I was thinking about, but most importantly, I was just thinking about my future. You know, you never really experience pain like that very often, so when you do feel it, you know it's bad. And I remember looking up at my dad as he as he ran out to the field to, to, to check on me. I just looked at him and I said, Dad, this is this is serious. Luckily, there was a doctor there who was on the scene, and she told me that my knee had dislocated, uh, which it had. But little did I know that was the easiest that was the easiest section, or that was the easiest thing that I was going to have to go through during that entire process. So the next day, I had gotten to the doctor's office, the white walls, the white flooring. The smell of sanitized medical equipment surrounded me. Um, never like being in the in the hospital. Never a good sign. And I go into the back, and the doctor just has me do two simple tests. All he wants me to do is bend my knee and then straighten out my knee. And after those two tests, he says, "Do you want to know the good news or the bad news?" And I tell, I say, "Tell me the bad news first." tells me I tore my ACL meniscus and from that moment on my life was forever changed. I remember him talking to my mom about details and surgery dates but I couldn't think about any of that. All I could think about was holy crap. My life has changed. I was trying to hold back tears. I couldn't think. I couldn't move. The doctor would look at me and try and talk to me and I was just in a blank stare. And next thing I know, I'm whisked back to my house where I have to make calls. I have to call coach. I have to call the school saying I'm not going to attend. I have to tell family. I have to tell friends. And it was it was a very chaotic, very chaotic time. I visited my friends later that day, and they were going to leave for college the next day. And they told me that I can't feel sorry for myself. They tried to make jokes about the matter, but I just I couldn't handle it. I had to leave. It was a rough note to to leave my friends on, but you know I I just had to get out of there. I remember going back to my house after that and just crying, asking God, "Why me? Why did why did I have to go through this? Why why did you choose me?" And that was that was the darkest I had ever. That was the deepest pit of my depression. After the surgery I had a couple weeks later, I was immobile for one week. I couldn't get out of bed. During that time, I was visited by my girlfriend one time, but besides that, I was on my own, and I just had to keep fighting this mental battle that I had and it was it was hard but I 
the main thing that got me through it was thinking to the future, being determined on getting better. And PT, the start of PT one week after surgery changed my life. Lauren, my physical therapist, taught me the determination and the, the mental fortitude that I was going to have to build to get through this. And going in every day, getting a little bit better, getting a little bit stronger, it really truly helped. You know, it, you go from such a dark place in your life, not being able to see that light at the end of the tunnel, and then you're finally starting to be able to do things again. You're starting to be able to see just progress, you know. I went from not being able to put any weight on it to being able to stand on it, to being able to walk, being able to run, being able to cut and move. And seeing that and being able to talk through this with Lauren was one of the greatest things that could have happened to me. And I, I truly, I learned in that experience that no matter how dark things may seem you can figure out a way to get out of it you know determinations was huge in this there was days i didn't want to go to pt there was days i didn't want to uh didn't want to get better i just wanted to lay in bed but i had to i was determined i was i was determined to get better i was determined for school for athletics i needed to get through and that truly helped my mental state immensely and a couple few short months later i was back being my my jolly old self working again and a few short later few few short months later after that i was playing sports again and living life to the fullest so just wanted to just wanted to say that truly you can you can get through anything that you set your mind to and everything is temporary all pain is temporary but you you're stronger than you think sam dozier a digital communications major at lvc has also broken a finger and his nose. In this last story, Laura finds out that she broke her hand during her senior year of basketball. Listen to see how she overcame adversity after finding out this terrible news. The ball rolled on the ground in front of me, so I dove to get it. I immediately felt a sharp pain shoot through my hand. I jumped up and had to run back on defense. The pain was getting worse as I ran. My first reaction I had was to pull my finger because I thought it was just jammed. Yeah, that was a bad idea. I felt my finger pop and the pain started to get worse. But I couldn't stop playing because for the first time in like forever, we actually had people there watching us. I went to the trainers at halftime and got my fingers buddy taped together because once again, I thought it was just jammed. I played the rest of the game with my finger taped together, and as the game continued, I started to forget about the pain, because my competitiveness and adrenaline was rushing. I did not think about my hand until the game was over, when we were celebrating the win in the locker room and the trainer came up to me. I tried convincing her that my hand was okay and I was fine, I showed her how easily it was for me to open and close my hand, but I did not do a very good job at convincing her because she immediately grabbed my hand and felt it, and as she felt it, it cracked. The crack sounded like someone stepping on a dead leaf on the ground. I knew as soon as I heard that crack, I wasn't going to be able to play. This was during my senior year of basketball season. I started playing basketball when I was in third grade, so my senior year would have been my 10th year playing. Sports were basically my life in high school. 
I don't remember a day in high school that I didn't have a practice for a sport. My parents loved watching me play, and I didn't want to lose my last season or my senior season with this injury. And my team had a chance to win stage this year, so I was very excited for my senior season because other years our team wasn't very competitive in the program, so this year we actually had a chance to win. So two days later, I went to the doctor's office because the trainers told me if I wanted to play, I had to get a clearance from a doctor. So I was sitting in the doctor's office waiting for them to tell me whether I would be able to play or not. And my x-ray was on the screen even before the doctors came in. My mom and I thought the x-ray showed no broken bone because it was a zoomed out picture of my hand. So... You couldn't really see the um, bone up closely, so you didn't really see the the break. Um, so we thought when the doctors came in, he was going to share us the good news and tell us that I would be able to play my senior year, but that was definitely not the case. When he walked in, he sat down and he looked me straight in the eyes and he told me that I broke my metacarpal bone in my left hand. I sat there in shock because just two minutes ago, my mom and I were convincing each other that my hand was not broken and we didn't even have to be in the doctor's office. So I never broken a bone before in sports until that day. Um, So I didn't really know what to do, but the Doctors told me that obviously I would not be able to play my senior year basketball season with a broken hand. Um, But once again, I tried convincing him that my hand was perfectly okay. But obviously he's a doctor and he saw the x-ray so he knew why my hand was not okay. So once I uh, got over the shock, the tears started rolling down my face. Um... And when the tears started rolling down my face, I still tried convincing the doctors that I was okay. But I doubt the doctors could really understand me because I barely could talk because I was just bawling my eyes out at this point. Kind of embarrassing, but oh well. This definitely felt like one of the worst days of my life because basketball was so important to me and sports were basically all I knew. So after I finally got my thoughts together and I stopped crying, I decided I had to call my coach. I was dreading this call because who wants to call their coach to tell them that, hey, just so you know, I'm not going to be able to play. Um, And when I was on the phone with him, I thought I had it together. I thought I had my thoughts together. But when I was on the phone with him, I barely could keep it together. My eyes were starting to water and there was some tears that were rolling down my face. But surprisingly, my coach was very calm and he took it very well. He told me that it was going to be okay because he knew a doctor that would clear me. And I was like, yo, what? Okay. So I told him that if he knew a doctor to clear me, then I'll go to that doctor and get a clearance note. So that's what I did. He told me who the doctor was, and my dad and I went to the doctor's office. Um, So the second doctor, we walked in and we sat down, and the first thing the doctor asked me was 
if I believed I would be able to play. And I obviously said yes because I wanted to play. I didn't care if my hand was broken. So I showed him that I could kind of easily move my hand. Not really, but I could move my hand enough to play a sport. (laughs) So I showed him my mobility in my hand. And unlike the trainer and the first doctor, this doctor actually took my mobility serious. Or he just chose to neglect um, the x-rays and neglect that my bone was actually broken. But he gave me a note to be able to play. So I walked out of the doctor's office with a clearance from a doctor. And that's what the trainers told me to get. They told me I needed to have a clearance from the doctor if I wanted to play. So as soon as I got the note, I ran or I drove to school And I gave the note to the trainers, and the trainers told me, all right, looks good, you got a clearance to play, you can play in tonight's game. So I was all excited, got myself hyped up, went home, suited up for the game, and as I'm driving there, I get a call from my mom saying that she's on the phone with the trainers, and then the trainers are saying that I'm not going to be able to play in the game. And I didn't understand this because I was like, I just talked to them like two hours ago and they said I was good to play. So I got to the high school and they told me that since I didn't get cleared by the first doctor that I saw, I couldn't play. Because I guess if I go to see two doctors, I have to get cleared by the first doctor too. I'm still not really sure till this day, but anyways... Basically, the second doctor's note wasn't reliable and wasn't good enough for the trainers. Um, So obviously, I was not happy, my coaches were not happy, and my dad definitely was not happy either because he, my dad was like, well, you got the clearance to play. I don't understand why you can't play. And I was like, I know. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, So there was this big ordeal that was happening with the trainers I ended up getting on the trainer's bad side, but, oh well, I'm not in high school anymore, so it doesn't matter. Um, So I guess the only option I had, if I wanted to play, was to go back to the first doctor. Um, So I went back to the first doctor, hoping that he would give me a note to play, but he did not clear me completely. He told me that I could play with the metal brace on. So I had this metal brace on my hand that wrapped around my pinky and my ring finger and then went down my hand onto my wrist. It was a um, Velcro brace, but it had metal rods in it to be sturdy. Um, So he told me I would be able to play with the brace on. So shouldn't that be good news? Um, Not really, because playing with a metal brace on in basketball you can't really do that you can't play basketball with metal in your brace because the refs won't clear it to play and so my dad and I both knew this so we walked out of the doctor's office with a note saying that I could play with my brace on so my dad and I went home and we said well the note says that you can I can play with the brace on it doesn't say like what the brace has to look like it doesn't say that it has to have the metal rods in it so my dad and I actually decided to cut 
holes in my brace and you could actually pull out the metal rods. So we decided to cut holes in the brace and pull out the two metal rods that were in there and we put cardboard in it. So it still was a little sturdy, but not as sturdy as the metal was. But we knew if there was cardboard in it, we would I would be able to play. I went to the the refs before I wanted to play in a game and I said, Hey, here's my brace. Would you clear me to play with this? And they felt it and they asked me, Is there any metal in it? And I was like, Not anymore. There was, but now it's just cardboard. And they were like, Well, if there's no metal in it, then you can play. So, I was able to play during my senior night, and that was the first time back in three or four weeks. So, after all of that, after going through the first doctor, then the second doctor, and then the trainers, and then back to the first doctor, and then my dad and I having to cut the metal brace... I was finally able to play my senior year, and it felt like I had won. Um, So it actually felt like I was able to stand up for myself and tell them that I was able to play because I thought the pain wasn't that bad. But would I change the decision that I made to play my senior year? I don't think I would. Um... I'm glad that my dad and I decided to cut the metal out of the brace so I would be able to play because if I wasn't able to play, I would probably regret that I didn't do that. So I don't regret anything I did in this story. That story was by Laura Good, who is a digital communication student at Lebanon Valley College and who has yet to break another bone. She works part-time at a coffee house and is obsessed with anything coffee. And that's it for episode one, if only I hadn't done that. Thanks for listening to the Lebanon Valley Express podcast. Please visit our website for the episode list. We're at lebanonvalleyexpress.wordpress.com.